You have tuned in to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Shifts in consumer expectations and habits have historically been a game of inches and single percentage points. However, we're now seeing sudden, dramatic changes in how guests interact with mountain resorts, what guests need and want from resorts, and even how guests see resorts fitting into their lives. There's an awful lot of unfamiliar terrain for ski area marketers to navigate when putting together their communications plans for the 2021-22 winter season. So we're huddling to find some answers. This huddle conversation was supported by Doppelmeyer. We'll start the discussion here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. Okay, well, um, thank you all for joining us today for our Monday huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan, publisher of Sam Magazine, and joining me as co-host is MJ Legault. She is the principal and co-owner of Origin, uh, which is a marketing and creative and content agency specializing in outdoor sports. And MJ has been working with several resorts and outdoor manufacturers across North America, uh, including Lululemon, L.L. Bean, Tiga Motors, and resorts including Jay Peak, Whistler Blackcomb, and Taos Ski Valley. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Welcome, everybody. Um, we have a lot to go through today, and I think it's safe to say that there has never been a winter season like the one that we're about to get on, not only because we don't quite know what the heck is going to happen, but also because what in the past were really small little shifts in consumer expectations and consumer habits, what we're seeing now are really big, sudden, dramatic shifts in how guests interact with mountain resorts, with you know what they want from your resort and even how they see resorts fitting into their lives. So there's an awful lot of un- unfamiliar terrain for mountain resort marketers to navigate when you're putting together your communication plans for this upcoming season. And today what we'll do is explore some of the factors to consider. And we'll speak with resort marketers about their, their insights and their considerations. Um, so having just watched some great football yesterday, uh, I thought we'd put our situation in game terms. Um, so we played a lot of defense last winter, just trying to stay ahead of the unknown. Um, and finally, at the start of the summer, we were ready to play a little offense with vaccine rollout and get um, back to sort of promoting the fun and the adventure of what we put on offer at our mountain environments. Um, but then the Delta variant came at us and had other plans for us. So we're huddling today to share what we're thinking, where we are in the process. It kind of set folks a little bit back and um, need to rethink um, uh, some of their marketing plans. So let's start with an introduction and a quick check-in with our guests um, about the situation right now at their resorts. We'll start with Tyler Lamott, who's the Chief Brand Officer at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And Tyler, um, summer looked super busy in Jackson Hole um, with all that pent-up demand. Um, But as the Delta variant and COVID surging again, what are the challenges um, heading into the winter as one of the destination resorts on our panel? Yeah, thank you. And thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to join and see everybody. Um, you know, to the real quick, just on summer, yes, the records were broken all across the board in park visitation, obviously Teton and Yellowstone, the town of Jackson, uh, but also out here in the village, all the activities uh, essentially pretty much broke records for us across the board. So. As we go into winter, you know, I think a lot of that anticipation of people wanting to, again, escape in activities that they feel safe doing, I do think skiing and snowboarding will continue to be that. 
you know, as we look at Delta, as it's started to emerge, um, you know, we know obviously how to run in COVID uh, operational protocol situations since we did that very successfully last winter uh, and as well through summer. So as we now are in this zone, um, one of the key things supposed to be later this summer, uh, really just a few weeks ago, uh, the town of Jackson, as well as Teton County, uh, did issue a mask ordinance uh, for all indoor locations, vaccinated or not. And so that was obviously a welcome recommendation and then eventually a rule, uh, which of course we followed. So all of our indoor facilities through the, the last little bit of operation of summer are now essentially requiring folks to mask up. So that's great. That helps a lot of our frontline workers. Um, as we go and now look into winter, you know, that ordinance will stay in place into December and things are, of course, are changing in real time and we'll follow whatever that guidance is. Um, but that's essentially where we're at as it relates to social distancing requirements, group gatherings, et cetera. That really hasn't come into play as much uh, in terms of being able to issue formal guidance there. But again, we know how to do it. We've done it rather successfully and, you know, we'll be navigating. I think the other one that's just the unknown, and I'm sure this will be part of this discussion, is staffing and housing, which just continue to be a major issue for everybody. So um, those are a few things that we see. There's a lot of operational things I'm sure we'll get to in further questions, but, um, you know, we know how to do it. We know that there is a lot of pent-up demand, and we will put the bootstraps on, and we will protect our guests and protect our employees once again uh, to whatever measure we have to. Thanks, Tyler. Um, Hugh Reynolds, VP of Marketing and Sales at Snow Operating, uh, which includes Mountain Creek and Big Snow in New Jersey. Um, what are your biggest challenges heading into winter and, and what are you excited about? Uh, you know, I, I think our biggest challenge uh, heading into this winter is, you know, last winter, um, you know, we were certainly a, a COVID silver lining example, um, you know, being a suburban day visit based resorts that sit in a massive population center. Um, we saw unprecedented, unprecedented demand last winter, um, mainly in, in midweek visitation driven by the fact that, you know, schools were remote and most people were working from home. Um, this summer, uh, all COVID restrictions lifted for our summer businesses. And, you know, we definitely saw the uh, the effects of that in terms of greater competition and and uh, people having more options to spend their recreation time uh, doing um, so it, it was not a it was not a strong summer for us uh, the the weather also played a part in that so it's hard to parse out what was weather what was demand uh, so for this winter I think our greatest challenge is you know how, how do we try and recreate some of the scenarios that existed for us last winter without the COVID environment, because clearly none of us want that again. Um, so what can we do on our own part to create uh, scarcity and urgency for people to commit to our products and book, book their visits to come and see us? Um, Alex Mosier, from, uh, Director of Marketing and Communications at Seven Springs in Pennsylvania. You had some incredible success with events uh, this summer, but some challenges with lodging and staffing. Can you share a little bit of the highs and lows from this summer? Sure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we had an incredible uh, summer when it came to events. Uh, we had a ribbon wing festival that that drew 
uh, over 10,000 people over three days. Um, that was an all-time record. We had a wine festival, a celebration of Pennsylvania wine at the end of August, also drew an all-time record crowd. Um, however, uh, so that's great. We love that. Uh, at the same time, we've, we've really, we're struggling with it when it comes to staffing. Um, and never in my 13 years here have we changed our operations because of staffing. So that's, that's been a little bit stressful. So, you know, actually right now, and you know, letting you guys behind here is, is that Monday through Thursday, our 414 room hotel, actually we're only selling 60 rooms. Uh, we just don't have the staff to clean the rooms. Uh, we have uh, not opened up all 13 of our restaurants right now. We have about six of them opened uh, just again, because we don't have the staff to work them. And um, I think our, uh, our, our front office, our executive team, you know, are, are kind of sick of, uh, of, of doing all what we have to do, but we're doing it and we're cleaning rooms and, you know, and I hope never have to do that again, but I have a feeling that's what we're going to be doing this winter. And slinging beers. I heard. Yeah, um, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, my entire uh, marketing team got trained to, uh, got ramp trained, which is for Pennsylvania to, you know, the safety program so you can serve people. So I can serve alcohol now, which is uh, great, I guess. But uh, <laughs> we, are, we are looking forward to a great winter. We didn't have, have dining in Pennsylvania. We had no indoor dining last winter uh, at all. Uh, that came the day before opening day that that was mandated. So we're hopeful that we can do that again. And the other thing too, for resorts like us that were so small, the footprint's so small, you know, we're really looking forward to and hopeful that people will ride the lifts together uh, since they're outside. Cause that will obviously help us um, with that, with uh, keeping away from that ugly look of that lift line. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks Alex. Um, and Christian Knapp, Pacific Group Resorts, new chief marketing officer. Um, you had to cancel some events uh, just recently, um, so you're already starting to see COVID tightening things um, on, on some of the, your resort portfolio. Um, is the marketing planning process in a wait and see mode um, while we're in another COVID surge, or are you feeling like um, you've got enough for full steam ahead? No, thanks for having me, Olivia. Great to see everybody in my new, this is my first appearance in my new role. Uh, been at it for just over a month and um, really excited to get to learn a different side of the industry. I know I've spent my career working with major destination resorts and both with Vail Resorts and then Aspen Skiing Company and Pacific Group Resorts is uh, a portfolio company with, we have five regional ski resorts um, spread geographically dispersed, just so if, for those that don't know. Um, we have a couple in the East Coast. So we have New Hampshire, we have Ragged Mountain. And on, and then we have Wisp, the only ski resort in Maryland and Wintergreen in Virginia. And then here in Colorado, where I'm still based uh, currently is we have um, Powderhorn out in Western Colorado. And then we have uh, Mount Washington on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. And to your point, Olivia, Vancouver um, and British Columbia in general is probably seeing the most restrictions um, COVID related and has continued to throughout the pandemic. Um, we cannot have uh, events and gatherings there. However, I'd say our other resorts are operating at a fairly normal uh, level, and we had good summer business across the, the group all summer uh, and have seen a nice rebound coming off of last year. In terms of next winter's marketing efforts, you know, we, we're moving forward full steam. You know, I think it will be different than it's been in the past. Um, it will be, I think we're going to be more proactive than we were last year, though. Um, but I think a lot of the changes that were implemented over the course of last year at a lot of resorts um, are going to be in place again this season in terms of you know, capacity limitations or limiting um, number of tickets sold on particular days. 
to prevent kind of those peak days from overcrowding the resorts. So that's something that I think we're seeing change at a lot of the resorts in the industry. So uh, interesting changes. And we've put out a COVID policy as well for our company. And this, of course, could change. Um, but we are asking employees to wear masks uh, when working indoors um, in, in a customer-facing role or when so they can't social distance it. Uh, employees who show a proof of vaccination um, are required to wear masks indoors, but not while outdoors. And uh, we are not required. And then those that uh, are unable to provide a proof of vaccination are going to be required to wear a mask at all times. So that's where we sit today. And then each of our jurisdictions obviously will be uh, in effect uh, as we go forward. Um, let's turn it over to MJ. Thank you. All right. So the way that we've tried to structure it today is to look at some kind of key segments that we want to talk about. And the very first one is looking at shifts in our consumers' behavior. And obviously, flexibility, the notion of flexibility is one of those big ones. We saw it last year. Uh, we saw that people were able to work remotely. They didn't have many kid commitments with nothing going on. This allowed a whole new set of people to do new things like ski midweek or start skiing for the first time or move away from big, dense urban centers into resort towns or take you know, extended work vacations. And you could argue that it's now up to us, it's now up to marketers to kind of maintain that. And it's interesting that Christian said we have to be a lot more proactive and Hugh, you said, you know, we have to create a sense of scarcity and, and sort of urgency. So I'd love to kind of maybe start with you, Hugh, Hugh Reynolds of Mountain Creek and Big Snow. Do you expect if we, if we focus on the kind of um, the midweek skiing that, that many of you saw, you know, such an uptick last year, do you expect that to continue how are you adapting your marketing to, 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 to try to create that scarcity? Yeah. Um, well, to answer the first part of the question first, you know, I, I, I don't know if we can realistically expect to see the same level of midweek visitation we saw last year. Uh, schools here in New Jersey just started back again. Um, most schools are full remote this, um, sorry, full in person this year, uh, which was not the case last year. Um, I, I think a, a good amount of businesses are still allowing flexibility and work from home, uh, especially the New York City-based businesses. You know, I, I have a lot of friends that probably aren't going back in person in Manhattan until fall of next year at the earliest. So um, I don't think the pendulum is going to swing all the way back to pre-COVID, but I also don't think that we're going to see uh, the, the same market trends that we saw last, last winter. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, th th there were a few eye-opening uh, realities that, that we experienced last year with COVID in terms of how we run our business. Um, you know, some of these we've been on the path already prior to COVID, but, um, you know, um, the, 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 the old way was to uh, sell as many tickets as people were willing to buy, and there was no capacity restriction on, on the mountain on any given day. Um, you know, I think that does a couple of things. I think it, it diminishes the guest experience, which we all know, but it also devalues the, the product. You know, if, if you look at uh, Broadway uh, show model is, you know, how does a Hamilton ticket sell for $3,000? It's because there's only a limited amount of, of them, right? So, um, so we, we've been playing with creating 
uh, scarcity by limiting the amount of tickets that, that we're going to sell. And that's something we're going to continue post COVID. So, you know, even, even if we're not required by the state this year to, to limit our capacity, we're going to continue to self-regulate um, on the amount of, of day tickets we will sell. Um, you know, at, at, at Mountain Creek, we are uh, very heavily a pre-sold uh, revenue model. You know, we'll sell 50 to 60% of our total admissions revenue before the season begins. Um, so we, we had already made that shift in our, in our past sales strategy a, a few years back. Um, and, you know, to, to, to give perspective of how successful that has been for us, we launched our season pass sales on Wednesday of last week. Uh, we expected to sell a certain number of passes in the month of September. We sold all of those passes in less than 48 hours. So we sold more than a month's worth of passes in 48 hours just by following a quantity-driven strategy versus a date-driven strategy. Um, so I, I think there is power in scarcity and creating urgency and changing consumer behavior. So we're going to be leaning very heavily into that for this winter. And Hugh, in those passes that you're you're selling, do you have a midweek product, or is it across the board just an unlimited pass? Uh, so that that's another trend that we've been you know moving towards. It's it's a simplification of, of our products. So we, you know, going into this season, we previously sold eight pass variations, which were whittled down from. 16 or more uh, a few years back. Um, this winter, we really only sell uh, two products. We sell an all-access pass and we sell a value pass that has, uh, that has deadlines, uh, blackout dates associated with it. Uh, we flattened all of our age discounting. So it's one, one price for all. We, we try and price our season pass very economically for all. So we don't do a lot of hierarchy and strata. Um, it's just a very simple two, two product offering. Um, all right, so let's turn to Christian uh, on the same topic. Your portfolio, as you mentioned, um, you have in BC, you have in Virginia, Maryland, New Hampshire, you're, you're in Colorado. Um, did you see gains across your midweek um, business last winter? And do you have any concerns sustaining that this winter? Um, and you talked about you're still undecided about um, whether you're going to, you were all online tickets and you're not sure whether you're going to go that route and why. Yeah. So I think, you know, when I said we're anticipating being more proactive, I think we have more opportunity and more space to get out in front of the consumer. And, you know, we're not anticipating as much restrictions across our portfolio as, as your prior hope. Hopefully that doesn't change much, but um, we are being going to be more proactive. Um, but I don't think it's a return to normal by any stretch, right? That's that is, there is no return to normal pre-COVID, and I think we're all going to be, um, you know, dealing with that throughout this upcoming year, of course, and and into the future. Um, so similar to um, similar to Mountain Creek, we basically eliminated all on-site lift ticket sales at all the resorts last year, and so in that. Um, that was a good thing. So by capping those peak days, primarily Saturdays, holidays, uh, we saw customers move off of those peak days and buy more tickets on Fridays and Sundays and, and kind of spread out across um, the week. And, and quite frankly, it was a better experience at the resorts. Um, so 
I think that's some, that's something, you know, a learning that we saw. And I think that will continue as long as we continue to have some capacity limitations on peak times. So, so, and it, it created a better experience for the customer. And that that's really what we're all about in trying to make sure we're putting out a great product. So, um, and I think, you know, he was on, you know, what he said about creating scarcity, using dynamic pricing, creating scarcity is, uh, does drive, um, volume does drive sales, whether it's passes or lift tickets, uh, date restricted or not. So that's, um, that's been definitely becoming core to our strategy. We've had really strong season pass sales across our resorts and we're really focused on affordability. Uh, our products are called mission affordable, uh, with the exception of Mount Washington. And, you know, those products last spring started around three forty nine um, for a full season pass in some cases. So we're trying to be inclusive and, and, uh, and trying to get as many, you know, people to commit upfront, whether that be a, through a pass product or a date specific lift ticket product in advance. So things have changed a lot. Yeah. Maybe we can move to you, Alex Mosier from Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. Can you tell us for you, was your, did you see the same sort of trend with, with, you know, massive, uh, massive uptick in your midweek business last winter? And do you have any strategies this year to try to keep that momentum? Yeah, uh, sure. And similar to Hugh, um, we, we are very similar to Mountain Creek in that regards. Um, you know, school was out, um, nobody was in school and no, there was no youth sports. So that certainly helped promote uh, a lot more traffic on the mountain. Um, we did also go to capacity limits at, at uh, all three of our resorts uh, last winter, um, which of course, uh, however, the caveat was that if you had a season pass, you can come anytime. Um, we don't scan, we don't have RFD, RFID, so we're kind of rolling the dice there. Uh, but uh, our season pass sales are at an all-time high this this winter, and we have not come out and said we're going to be at uh, capacity limits this year yet. Um, we may not. Uh, we're going to see how it goes. Um, but we went from 1% uh, on our online ticket sales in previous years were about 1% of our overall sales. Last year, they were 95%, um, which pushed our e-commerce uh, very hard. Um but uh, we're going to continue that this year. And, um, you know, we, again, now school, everyone's back in school. Kids are back in school. I know my kids are back playing sports. They're playing basketball for this season. So, um, you know, to Christian's point as well, we're going to have to keep top of mind awareness there. And we're going to have to keep reminding people. And frankly, for us, because we're an hour from Pittsburgh, we're three hours from Cleveland, Columbus, and Baltimore, and, and Washington, D.C. Um, and, if it snows in any of those cities, we're sitting pretty. And I think a lot of us know that. So, you know, from a marketing perspective, we spent probably 75% less on marketing last year, just because there was such demand. And I, I we're going to, we're going to look to do that again this year. We'll come back to that. The notion of, of messaging specifically for this year in, uh, in just a little bit, because that is really interesting to talk about. Uh, one of the other themes of flexibility beyond the midweek and the work from home and, and all of that is also just the, the very fact that people were no longer really forced to live in, in cities to do their jobs last year. And um, it seems like that trend is continuing for a large portion of, of Americans. So that, that sort of shift in consumer mindset that you can do your job and work from anywhere, including a mountain town, is something that should be a huge positive for mountain towns, getting this new influx of, of new residents. Um, I'm curious if we can maybe start with you, Tyler. You mentioned in, in a previous chat that you did see an increase in, in new residents or new second homeowners to Jackson Hole. How would you describe those new, those new people? And do you feel that there's anything that you need to do differently to engage with that group? Yeah, sure. Um, just to reiterate the same themes we've been talking about just around the midweek aspect. Uh, we did last winter launch a midweek season pass. This year, 
uh, we are offering that again as a continuation, I think giving good flexibility to our guests, knowing that uh, oftentimes during the new week, it's not as uh, busy or as crowded as it would be during peak times or on weekends. Um, I think what we're seeing, and granted, everything continues to change. You hear you know, large corporations delaying the requirement of people coming back to office. And we talk about flexibility, that midweek product is, is definitely that. I think the expectation that those numbers will be as high as they were last year, given that kids are now back in school and kind of following a normal cadence as it relates to kind of traditional holiday visitation and peak. Uh, we don't think it's going to be as high as it was, but we do know that midweek is still an option. In terms of that guest that's coming here uh, and has that flexibility midweek, we're really not speaking that to them in a different way other than through the past product offering, because again, we do believe that that guest you know, they're here if they can find housing. That's obviously one aspect of that. If they're here, they want to act like a local, feel like a local because they're posted up and, you know, essentially try to integrate as much as they can. Uh, we've seen that for sure uh, as much as possible. But in terms of specific marketing programs, we're really not going to be targeting them as much. But what I will say, you know, not just midweek, but those that want to come here and obviously from a season pass sale standpoint, We've seen in really strong momentum since we went on sale uh, earlier in the summer. And now we're in our third uh, pricing tranche with our season pass sale. Uh, and it's going to be, like I said earlier in the question, going to be a lot of pent up demand, skiing and rides. So to that tune, you know, we will be managing our mountain capacity as we did last year. Uh, we will be asking our guests to purchase tickets in advance for day tickets and then new for this year, we will be acquiring reservations for both Mountain Collective and for the Icon Pass. Uh, we had Icon Pass last year, uh, but really we know that, you know, between the multi-resort pass products, really elevating our guest experience really comes down to managing our capacity and trying to reduce our crowding. And so whether it's midweek, whether it's uh, multi-resort passes, and of course, our own season pass holder, who we are not <laughs> going to regulate, they can come as they will uh, without a reservation, uh, something that obviously you want to honor for them. But it really is about the guest experience and trying to manage that uh, for everybody, midweek or full season. A lot of recurring themes around um, amplifying that guest experience again this year, which is great to hear. I just want to ask you, Dave Meeker, if you have thoughts on this idea around, you know, new new residents coming to to mountain towns from your from your corner of the world in Vermont. A lot of the folks, uh, I'd say at least 50% of the people that we've seen uh, move here full time if, again, they can find a house to uh, buy that's suitable for them uh, full time are are really trying to just fit right in and they they don't necessarily want to be singled out. They they you know just want to be a part of the community and and be able to uh, contribute in a positive way. And um, uh, you know this is in southern Vermont and. The uh, there's other folks, the other 50% that um, uh, appear to have kind of an opposite uh, approach to that. They are, you know, it's uh, they're looking to uh, have the community adjust to them in a way. And being singled out doesn't appear to be something that they would be uh, opposed to. And again, this is anecdotally, uh, but just like everywhere else, the real estate market around here has been bonkers and. Um, so the, the folks that have wanted to just fit right in are mostly younger families, people that are, you know, coming here with their kids and everything. And the, it seems to be, um, folks that are not here with kids and maybe are deciding to retire early here or coming up here to, uh, work, you know, empty nesters and such that are, uh, uh, you know, could probably use a little bit more attention from, uh, from the resorts. 
And Dave, do you think those are permanent moves? The younger families, I do, uh, because all of the younger families that we uh, are aware of and uh, they all work remotely for the most part, either that or they have found jobs, either teaching or uh, doing something else in the area that are sustainable jobs. And um, but for for other folks, there there are definitely some people who have already moved uh, that moved up here at the height of the pandemic and uh, paid a premium for their house and uh, decided that. Uh, winter in Vermont wasn't necessarily what they expected. And so they uh, decided to, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't know where folks went, but again, it's, uh, there's a handful of, of examples of people that decided that, you know, it seemed cool at the time. And, uh, but, you know, once they figured out that they had to shovel and it does get below zero and everything like that, that kind of changed the tune. Well, this, this kind of is a good segue into the, the other segment that we want to dig into, which is new participants, like brand new participants to, to skiing and snowboarding, which um, we know there was a, a lot of in the last season. And it was actually during a SAM huddle back in March of last year that the Outdoor Industry Foundation released their really fascinating report on new participants um, during the pandemic and the motivations, the barriers to be aware of. Um, if you haven't seen this report, you should absolutely read it. It's, it's got a lot of interesting um, data points, but in short, that report speaks to a couple of traits of these new participants. They're more likely to be women. They're more likely to be younger than our traditional snow sport or outdoor sport participant. They're more ethnically diverse. Um, they're from urban environments. They index more from, from city environments and they're less, slightly less affluent than our traditional outdoor participants. So I'm gonna start with a basic question, like are you seeing this at your resort? And, um, and that from a marketing standpoint, if you are seeing you know, a younger, more, more ethnically diverse um, kind of different audience, are, are, they, are you representing this, this new participant in your marketing? Um, Christian, can we start with you on that question? Sure. Um... You know, I, you know, I'm still getting oriented. Um, only a month into the new role, so I don't, I don't have all the stats and demographics at my fingertips yet. You know, and I'm starting to spend time at the resorts and, and you know, I, I think just by nature of our resorts, they are regional, you know, local, you know, resorts that are drivable um, distances from major metros. And I think just what I'm seeing so far, even on the summer side of things, is it is a more ethnically diverse uh, um, group of folks than I'm used to seeing certainly at, um, you know, some of the premier destination resorts out West, you know, um, different types of consumers. And, you know, we have, again, like I said earlier, we have a very big push around affordability for our products. Um, and both our passes are, are extremely affordable. Um, we do a lot of, you know, discounting on tickets too, if you buy in advance, and we have some very aggressive free learn to ski and ride programs. I know a lot of resorts do that. Um, we definitely are leaning into that, particularly at Ragged Mountain in New Hampshire, where we offer uh, anyone who's a never ever a three day, all inclusive free package, basically with lift rentals um, and, and lessons for three days. And then a full season pass after that for, I think like $29 or something for that first wow. year. So very aggressive. We have a similar program out in Western Colorado at Powderhorn, where we're really trying to get that in front of kind of this next generation of ski and ride enthusiasts who may not look like the previous generation. And, uh, I think that's been great for our industry. I think it's something we all need to focus on and lean into, and it's something we're going to continue to be focused on as a company. Fantastic. 
Hugh, it, it seems like an obvious question to, to kind of move on to you knowing, you know, your mission and, and where you're at. I'll ask you that um, maybe as a starting point, that same question. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting operating where we operate. Um, you know, Big Snow, we introduced almost 80,000 new participants to the sport um, last year. Um, more than 50% of our guest makeup and our team makeup here at Big Snow is BIPOC. Um, so I can't, I can't say minority because they're the majority uh, here at Big Snow. And we, we get asked quite often, you know, how, how did you how did you find such diversity among your team? How do you, how do you create that diversity in your guests? You know, Big Snow is very representative of the community that we operate in. So New Jersey looks like Big Snow. Um, on the same, on the same note, Mountain Creek, which is also in New Jersey, and it's only an hour away from Big Snow, we we struggle to uh, to find uh, that level of diversity in our in our team and and also in our guests. You know, we, we're certainly more diverse than a lot of the destination resorts out west or, or resorts that that don't reside in the population center. Um, but we've never seen anything to the level that we see at Big Snow. So. You know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting case study looking at the two resorts. And, and I think, you know, we haven't really cracked the code yet in terms of, you know, why Big Snow is so much more attractive for people to try than, than, than Mountain Creek, which is just up the road or, or any of the other resorts in the area here. Um, I, I think it goes back to some of our original goals around Big Snow. We're removing um, as many barriers of entry as we could. So, you know, we... Obviously, accessibility is is number one, right? And we we brought the mountain to the people. You know, we we operate in a 20, 20 million plus uh, uh, market. Um, you know, we we uh, you know, so we're we're easily accessible by public transportation, by Uber. Um, you know, for most of our guests, it's under a thirty minute drive time to the facility. Um, and then, you know, on our product side, we, we, we've priced everything very affordable, you know, you get, uh, and we give you everything you need. So in, in addition to the hard good equipment rental, we also give you your outerwear as part of the rental, um, you know, and it's $69 to have your first on snow experience. And we give you everything you need except for a pair of socks. So, um, so I think, you know, removing those, those barriers have, have made it much easier for us to attract a new, a new guest. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing through social media, uh, already that, you know, guests are having their first experience with us at, at Big Snow and then they're posting, you know, I just started a month ago and now I'm here and it might be Gore Mountain or Hunter Mountain or Mountain Creek or, you know, Killington. Um, and we're, we're getting tagged in those, in those social media stories, which has been, which has been great. You know, that, that was our ultimate goal is, you know, we introduce people to the sport here at Big Snow and then hopefully they, they carry on to other outdoor mountain experiences. So, um, but yeah, in, in terms of fostering, uh, diversity, uh, you know, we, 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 we're just, we're just lucky to yeah. be where we are. Um, and, and, and hopefully, you know, just as our guests are, uh, migrating to other resort experiences, our hope is that, you know, we're going to, we're going to introduce a, a bunch of, uh, BIPOC, uh, 
industry team members that will then want to go and continue in this industry and work somewhere else down the road. 100%. Yeah, one of the, I, I appreciate you talking about, you know, removing barriers to entry. A lot of the Outdoor Industry Foundation's report really states that already the in, in the last year when the research was done, about a quarter of new participants were saying, I'm probably not going to stick with this. You know, even though it was new to them, they're like, yeah, probably not going to stick with this when the world goes back to normal. And the report tried to identify what are some things that we can do as marketers or as, as you know, on the operational side um, to keep that that quarter of, of, of these new participants. And a lot of it was, you know, what you've talked about, Hugh, which is removing barriers to entry at all level, what you talked about in terms of providing outerwear, you know, that seems like such a simple thing, but it, it's a really big deal. The other thing the report talked about is, is the fact that many of these new, new uh, participants are really looking and craving information that to us might seem very basic, you know, how-to information and everything else. I'm curious to hear from this group if you have adapted that and if it's easy, you know, for a new participant to find that kind of, you know, very basic information about, about skiing for the first time. I don't know if Alex or, or Tyler um, I mean, want to speak to them. MJ, I mean, I don't feel like I did any marketing last year. All I did was instructional videos, uh, you know, how to how to get through the toll booths, how to get to the mountain, how to get on the mountain, where to run skis. You know, so that was a good reminder to all of us here that we've got to re remember that people have no idea where they're going when they get here. I mean, ski resorts are a big labyrinth of craziness if you've never been here. It's like being in a foreign country. Uh, so we're going to keep doing that again. And those instructional videos were very helpful. Hopefully this year though, we can, we can do some fluffy fun marketing as well. Um, you know, and, and, and sell the family memories and all that good stuff as well. But, uh, I, I think that that instructional stuff was very, very helpful. We'll continue the conversation after we thank our partner Doppelmeyer. Innovative transport systems from Doppelmeyer Garaventa Group continually set new standards. Top comfort and safety define their installations in summer and winter tourism regions as well as in the urban transit sector. Their material transport systems and ropeways for preventative avalanche blasting offer impressive efficiency and performance. All year-round experience concepts round off their extensive portfolio. Learn more at www.doppelmeyer.com. Um, so segment three is on connectivity, um, and this falls a little bit into operations, and, and it's a, about the idea that your guest's first resort interaction is likely no longer the ticket window. Um, and so, Tyler, let's start with you. You invested a lot in digital tools um, to make the guest experience more streamlined. Um, tell us about the success of those digital tools um, that you employed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, data and insights have always been just super important and we've been working on building our house file and our digital environment extensively, literally for the last decade. Uh, one that we introduced two years ago, which was really important and also dovetails relatively well with our whole advanced uh, purchase model, uh, really getting our customer into the digital funnel early really allows us to one target with messaging, to really tailor that experience based off of their needs. Also offer up tools, uh, whether it's through the pre-arrival process or tools that actually they can utilize directly through their mobile device, which will allow them to create also aspiration, is our JH Insider app, which has really become just an essential 
uh, part of the overall experience. Not only does it offer all of the critical mountain information, as you can imagine, weather, uh, lift operations, uh, F&B, mountain sports school, being able to transact directly and buy their tickets, uh, parking availability, uh, special promotions, leaderboards, gamification, all those types of things that uh, really just enhance the experience, being able to see your entire family in terms of where they are all over the mountain, allowing them to replay their day, all of that aspect really allows us to, to serve up a better experience. And then in addition, you know, knowing that, as you talked about, the mountain is a labyrinth, um, also getting them into the funnel where we can get them to sign up for text messaging so we can communicate with them directly, knowing they may not be on their phone all the time, or they can also integrate directly with Apple Watch through the app or through SMS. So utilizing different touch points to be able to engage the guests with pertinent information that just makes for a better experience. Uh, in addition to all the other things that we do, but the app piece has been really, really important in terms of what we've been able to develop uh, in terms of emerging technologies engagement. I'm going to stay with you just a minute because you shared a little bit in that connectivity. You've already kind of thought through the 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 message that you want to send to them and um, tell us, you know, the campaign last year you went with and and what you're naming the campaign this year. Yeah, and as I was talking about before. Uh, you know, creating an aspiration and knowing that there's still a lot of demand. Last year, we launched a campaign, it was called Return to the Wild, uh, which essentially kind of goes back into the wild aspect and big mountain experience of Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, which worked really, really well. Uh, then we went into the summer, which was Lift Your Adventure, which was essentially getting people up higher on the mountain into the bike parks on Via Ferrata, et cetera. And then now as we transition back into winter, the campaign that we're running and will continue to run is called Escape into Winter. And really just knowing that, you know, people want to have this essence of escape, get back into nature, connect with nature, get out of the situation that they've been in, whether it's a stressy COVID situation or they're in an urban environment. What is it that we can sell in terms of just, again, the dream of really promoting that notion of escape into a place that really expands their world? Alex, um, you, uh didn't have you said not so much the digital tools um but you um started back something that was already at your disposal the the toll booth so that's sort of your first connection with the guests right now that's new that you had in COVID out of necessity are you going to stick with this first interaction with guests um and are you going to be adding any kind of electronic um technology communication this winter well, yeah, I guess, Olivia, I'll tell the quick story for everybody. You know, I, I arrived 13 years ago and there were five toll booths, three at one entrance and two at our what's called our north entrance. I'm like, what the heck are those? I have no idea what those are for. Why are those here? And uh, finally, I found a use for them last year. So literally just similar to a turnpike toll booth. We, you know, you drive it, you drive up, you'd show your phone, we'd scan it, we'd give you your, your lift ticket and wicket. Yes, your lift ticket and wicket. You'd get that and you'd be on your way. So we are going to do that again this year. Uh, absolutely. Um, and um, we are going to just continue to figure out other ways, you know, to to um, improve our, our e-commerce. Um, we're, we're on Seriousware uh, right now. And um, we've got, you know, five people in IT and uh, first time ever, we have an e-commerce marketing manager and they're working to, you know, work the best they can to make all of that work and, and, and put it, put it to its best. How, how are you? There's a, few questions in the chat about, um, you know, if we're not going to see the same amount in our, in our, you know, in our midweek because schools are back in and, you know, the situation has changed slightly. How, 
you know, and you, you talk about the great success of the events, but you know, lodging is, is a hit, F&B is a hit, and it's going to continue to be a hit because we still have this labor issue. How are you adjusting your other um, revenue sources, lessons and, and, and rental? And are you doing anything to try and beef those up? Yeah, we, are, we saw a huge, I mean, we saw, just like everyone, we saw a big increase in snow sports school. We, we also um, saw a huge uptick in, in rentals as well. Um, you know, and, and partially that was e-commerce. We forced everyone to do everything online prior, um, which we had never done really before. Um, so, you know, for the going back to the data, we'd never had data on people buying lift tickets until last year. So that's been a lot of fun to have that data and be able to use it. And we're going to obviously invite, we've done some bounce back offers with all those people, but uh, we are going to push very hard and very focused on all of our ski products this year, just to hopefully to continue to make up for maybe lost revenue in other areas. Does anybody else on the panel have thoughts on how to beef up the other ancillary revenue um, channels that to, to, to try and balance out not getting quite as much of that midweek? You know, I, I, th- I think for us, um, you know, much, much like Alex, uh, we, we didn't have to market last winter. We, we stopped all of our paid advertising in January. Um, we, we learned this summer with the COVID regulations going away that um, marketing is still very much needed to move the needle of, of getting people here on site. So I think just going back to some of the traditional tactics, you know, we, we did away with all of our group business at Mountain Creek last winter. Um, we, we had no discounting, no promotional discounting, no, no group discounting, um, which obviously did wonders for our yield and our revenue. Um, but I think, you know, this winter we'll probably get back to some of those tried and true um, tactics to help fill in the white space. You know, my, I, I don't imagine you're going to see a lot of discounting on weekends and holidays, but Monday through Friday, yeah, we're probably going to need to lean on some of those you know, some of those traditional channels to help fill that space. We have just just a couple few minutes left. And um, the last sort of final consideration that we wanted to talk about is regarding values. And we know that many resorts in the past felt kind of uneasy about articulating their values or taking a stand on, on something. But what we're seeing is that more and more, this option of just remaining quiet on issues of equity and justice is less and less an option. Um, so I think what we're seeing is that our guests and our employees are, are expecting it of us. And in my opinion, this era of hiding, you know, beyond our fears of offending someone or being perceived as political, that era is, is over. Um, I do acknowledge that it's easier to avoid. And I know for many resort marketers, it's a scary thing. So before we ask a couple questions here, I just want to quote a recent research uh, by Alderman, which says that more than half of American consumers are belief-driven buyers, which means that they choose, switch, or avoid a brand based on its societal issues. And after that, you know, 50% of Americans, 65% won't associate with a brand because it stayed silent on an issue that they felt it had an obligation to address. So it's not just my opinion. Um, so maybe Christian, I'll start with you just obviously in your experience with, with Aspen in the past who stood for you know sustainability and was really an advocate for climate change. How is this approached in your current role? You know, it's, it's a bit different. Um, you know, Aspen definitely takes a very proactive stance on climate awareness and, and uh, advocacy in that realm. You know, our resorts in Pacific Group, we do have an eco-values company-wide statement 
that we put out, we did join the NSA climate challenge in 2019 in an effort to reduce our energy consumption, carbon emissions across the resorts. So we are, you know, fully on board with um, really being proactive in our operational considerations and making sure that we are pivoting to um, provide a more economic, you know, eco value kind of philosophy going forward. On the equity and the social justice kind of side of things, I think we're going to be probably quieter on that front. Um, you know, we'll see kind of how things evolve over the course of this year. Um, you know, I don't know, I wasn't involved with the company at the time of, you know, when Black Lives Matter and everything was happening last summer. Um, but I don't believe we made a, a very vocal statement in that. And that that's, a, that's tricky waters to wade in for a ski resort. And not many are probably willing and able to do that. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to continue to lean in, like I said, to our affordability, our accessibility, uh, our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts in making sure that we are a very cool and inclusive place for people to visit. And, uh, and for both our staff and employees, I think that's important as well. Um, I mean, maybe we'll, we'll move it to you, Alex, the last person here. I know in our previous discussions, you said, you know, we've got an intense 90 days to drive revenue. So with that mandate, you know, do you see a place in your marketing for taking a stand or do you want to just leave that aside? Uh, you know, I, personally, I would love to take a stand, um, but uh, from a company standpoint, um, we are about you know, we are about all that, but we just there's just not enough room in there for it. And maybe that's a mistake on our part, but again, we are just very focused on getting people out up to the mountain for winter adventure and, and making family memories. Fair enough. Um, I think I have one last minute, Hugh. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, we we've had a lot of conversations as a you know, as, as, as a company about this, um, you know, we, we don't want to be uh, activists and, and everything is so political these days, but, you know, there, there are certain things that are in our DNA that uh, we want to be on the right side of history on. So um, we're, we're not afraid to let our guests know where we sit on certain issues. And if that means that we're not the right resort for them, we're, we're okay with that. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of other resorts that people can choose from. So, you know, we, we were vocal uh, with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd. Um, you know, the, the, the uh, rise in Asian hate crimes in the New York City area this past summer. Um, you know, we, we've always been advocates of, you know, equity and, and uh, inclusion. And, you know, we, we want to create resorts where everyone feels welcome and invited to the party and represented. So, you know, if we see something that we feel is, is wrong, we're going we're gonna to say something. And, and we hope that, uh, that that's also backed in our, in our actions and our behavior um, so that we're not just looked at as, you know, waving a a flag or, you know, being, uh, you know, jumping on the popular uh, yeah. trend, trend of the month. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a hard balance, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, it just comes down to uh, trying to be good, good humans, good people and uh, treat, treat people the way we'd want to be treated. And if we see something that doesn't align with that, we, we're not afraid to call it out. Consumers are changing, and the mountain resort industry needs to change with them. Join the community by subscribing to SAM Magazine and get six issues of content tailored to the challenges facing the industry today. www.saminfo.com slash subscribe.
Thank you to our partner Doppelmeyer for their support of this huddle conversation. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to PodSAM. Mm-hmm.